0: So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life.
1: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
0: Hard times like
2: that. Hello and welcome to the Rosh Conti Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mario 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into. Let's not waste any time. Let's uh, go out to the Circus Sports guest hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you?
3: Doing well. Things are on the uh, on the look up except for uh, USC football. But well, we're gonna throw that one out. Uh, th- there's too much positivity for for my teams right now to uh, to get into that.
2: You know, Grant. You know, when uh, the Clippers made the treat for James Harden, I think we all agreed that it would take time. Ty Lue came out uh, that uh, first night when I was in New York, uh, said it's gonna take about ten games. You didn't love that, but I uh, mean, you know, like. I think as it's turned out, he's right. It has taken about 10 games. They lose the first uh, seven games since the trade. Again, James wasn't with the team during that entire time, but uh, he's a part of it in the sense that they traded a lot of depth for him. So anyways, they they dropped the first seven. Um, They've turned it around since then. The biggest thing, and I think we both agreed, uh, one or two guys are going to have to come off the bench. Russell Westbrook, Um, said, listen, I would like to come off the bench. I've been in that role before. I think I could help the team. And it certainly looks like he has. What have you seen from the team um, like over the last few games here uh, that makes you believe that uh, this move can work.
3: Yeah, I think it's just, it was that move right there that kind of opened things up. Russell Westbrook moving to the bench, kind of, you know, inserting Terrence Mann into that starting lineup. Look, Terrence Mann was supposed to be a starter before the James Harden trade as well, so it's obvious that the coaching staff and the players and the front office believed in his abilities to be in a starting lineup even around three stars like they have now. I think now there's just so much more spacing. Now James Harden is the primary ball handler. He is bringing the ball up almost every position possession. He's getting them into their offensive sets. He is setting up Kawhi and Paul George, and look, it's paying dividends. Paul George and Kawhi look just like they looked before the trade, and that was at an all-NBA level. Paul George is averaging 28 points per game over his last three. Kawhi Leonard looks like he's in a flow. James Harden is making some passes that we saw him make with Joel Embiid last year, so he looks really comfortable, and I think just that one move, sometimes it's all it takes, Arash, is just one or two moves around the lineup, or you know getting a guy off a of bio market like they did with Daniel Tice. Yeah. Those are good moves that kind of go underrated when you're looking at a team yeah there's four stars but one guy going to the bench can solidify that lineup and see what where guys stand in the rotation and whose minutes go where. Now Norman Powell is coming off of as a six man and he's draining his shots like I haven't seen him in, in the years with, his, with the Clippers so far. I mean he's shooting I think 45% from three, 50% from the field so they're kind of using him as a de facto spot up shooter and it's working just because Russell Westbrook isn't clogging up that space, and that's no hit on Russell Westbrook, he's still a very vital part of this Clippers team. And for him to be on that bench unit and kind of run that with Daniel Tice, they looked pretty good. Daniel Tice had 19-7 and 7 the other day against the Spurs. Um, he looks pretty comfortable. His first game went a little bit rocky. got posterized twice, but <laughs> it was his first game. He just got off the plane. So you know, Russell Westbrook and Daniel Tice can work together, and I think that'll be really good for that second unit. I don't know what they'll do. When Mason Plumlee comes back, because they still have to figure that out. Now they have kind of two centers in that second unit. If you want to play Tice and Plumlee together when he gets back, but for now things look spaced. James Harden looks comfortable. The stars look comfortable. There's a lot more things to work on. Obviously, the defense even looks pretty good. I know James Harden is known as not a very good defender, but he looks like he's putting through the effort on the defensive end, and that's a good sign for this Clipper team. It's good that they're playing the Spurs, and that's. This no knock on the Spurs. They're a rebuilding team. They're trying to get towards contention and build up Victor Webb and Yama. So to get games against them before you get into a gauntlet against Dallas and New Orleans and 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 Denver. You know they're all home games, but they're very crucial games. So to get the Spurs twice and kind of work on some things,
2: tinker. I think it's great for this team. What What do you think that they have to do in terms of getting over that hump, or do you kind of like this team again? I I think we we both agree that they have enough pieces, perhaps at the. Uh, at the trade deadline, certainly the buyout market could be a time where they look to to have uh, pieces there. But um, what when you look at this team, and again, I think the reason that I bring up this question is it's not just about making the playoffs, of course. It's not just about getting to the uh, second round. I mean, this is sort of their, their year where they are going to go all in to get to the finals, win a championship. As you look at this team right now, what do they have to do to get over that hump?
3: I think, you know, in terms of talent, they have it, but they just need to add a little bit more size still. They got Daniel Tyson. and that's something that they really needed. They needed another forward center type size guy to kind of solidify, you know, that defensive front, I guess you could say. You know, they have Zubats, they have Plumlee, they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who look like two of the best wing defenders in the league again, but they're just a little bit too small. They're, they're a little bit guard-heavy still. And I think that this front office, look, they've been willing to trade away players to get guys that fit their system. They traded away guys like Justice Winslow and Eric Bledsoe for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. They traded for Marcus Morris three years ago, right before the pandemic. You know, They they show a willingness to make moves to improve their team and I don't expect them to make any major moves, blockbuster moves, because they just don't have the draft capital. They don't have the players to, to put into that to do that. I think their move has already been made with the James Harden thing, so I wouldn't expect them to make any major moves, but I do expect them to look at the buyout market, look at power forwards. They still need a power forward. If this team gets a power forward, they could be dangerous because I don't really like seeing Kawhi Leonard play the four. It looks like it's taken a little bit off his legs in terms of his bounce, in terms of his energy, because he's having to put forth a lot of energy on the defensive end. But look, this team is still uber talented. There's no questioning that. They still have what it takes to beat some of the top teams in the league. It's just finding rhythms, finding rotations, and then. adding maybe one or two more pieces you know i know i I sounded like the sky was falling last week (laughs) and the week before but you're right arash and a lot of people are right it's a process it's going to take a little bit and we're starting to see a little footsteps and little prints that go towards that goal of them finally becoming a cohesive unit
2: um, do you really care about the in-season tournament? We kind of joked about this on the show yesterday. That clearly the Lakers do. Um, what, well, what where, where do you stand on it? Do you do you care about it? I mean, if if the Clippers um, go on a run and uh, win the in-season tournament, is, is that something that would make you happy?
3: listen I, I just I don't think there's any incentive for fans right now I mean I yeah. sure I know there's there's a big incentive for the players and that's <laughs> why you see LeBron James you know adamant about winning that $500,000 but look at I, I, I'm all for trying new things and trying to make the regular season more important especially in September through November and December because that's when players usually take games off they rest yeah. they don't really put forth the effort that they do in, in April and May so I'm all for you know trying to tinker with things and bring in new court designs and new uniforms just to make it feel a little bit different now the execution could have been a little bit better maybe the courts could have looked a little bit better and the jerseys could have looked a little bit better but at least they're trying something. I'm for new things. You know, I'm always for that. I know there's a lot of traditionalists and guys that like, you know, things the way they were, but I'm all for changing. Look, the in season tournament is just another stepping stone. The play in tournament, people were balking at that. Now people love it because it gives more teams a chance. The in season tournament, it's not going to stay like this. There's going to be additions to it, there's going to be updates to it. This is the first iteration of it. And I think that the players look, there's been fights, there's been brawls, there's been guys. <laughs> (laughs) thrown across the floor the players I think that's a good product for the fans at least because if the players are putting forth more effort that gives me more incentive to go to a game it gives me more incentive to watch an in-season tournament game but I think eventually maybe you'll see an automatic 10-spot play-in bid. I don't know, something more for the fans because, you know, the fans are the ones that matter, right? This is what it's kind of for, really, is to get fans to watch the games more. So this is the first iteration. I'm liking it so far, and I just, I know that it's going to get better and better because Adam Silver has been willing to make changes here and there, you know, for throughout his whole tenure as commissioner.
2: One more uh, question on that. Do you like the uh, court in the jersey, the Clips court and the Clips jersey? I, li- I actually like it.
3: I mean, I know it's kind of, it, it's it's off-brand. They're not really a dark blue team. And, you know, pe- people call them the Clips. So, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it kind of like relates to what fans call them. I just think some of the execution that Nike has put through is really not that good. I mean, the Lakers jersey is iffy. I love the Lakers court. I went to their uh, first yeah. home game and I love their court. But I just think, you know, it takes some refinement. I think that's what it is.
2: Uh, switching gears, you touched on it. USC football. I mean, it just is such a disappointing um, conclusion to their regular season. We'll see where they go for the bowl game. Uh, but by the way, folks, they are going to accept the bowl. But I mean, I, I get there's a lot of fans out there who uh, are really tired of watching this team play because they've <laughs> lost five and six. At the end of the day, like when you when you go to a bowl game and they when they will go to a bowl game, uh, you know, it gives your uh, current guys coming back more practice time. They are, from reports, going to hire a defensive coordinator before the bowl game. So that'll give that coordinator some time with his players. Again, I know there will be some turnover there. Uh, They are currently um, in the running uh, for either uh, the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, the Los Angeles Bowl, which would be kind of cool to see them at SoFi Stadium. Uh, we'll see what bowl that they go to, uh, how do you put a bow on this regular season though? I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear. Caleb Williams is gone. Uh, we will probably get a, a tweet from him at some point. Um, what, what, what do you, how do you, uh, um, how do you look at the season? Because again, uh, I knew the defense was going to be a problem, but this was a bigger problem than just defense. I think the entire team uh, struggled. So yes, the, the defense was terrible. But whether it's special teams, offense, some days, some games, the whole team just really regressed yeah I, I I'm not really
3: I can't really key into it, you know exactly because I'm not in that locker room. I'm not around the guys that much. so I, I can't really say if maybe there's an internal issue um but yeah, like you I mean, it was just it was a disappointment. I mean, I, that's just what it was because this team was expected to go to the college football playoff. we've been saying it for on shows in the weeks and months um leading up to the season even is that this is college football playoff or bust and this team through six games yes it was a little bit iffy but they were six and zero. and you can yeah. look at it, or you know you can look at it and say fine you know we're, we're winning barely and we're barely getting by some of these teams that we should but we're still six and zero, and there's a lot of teams like that in college football but then just the wheels fell off you know once they played stand or excuse me once they played Notre Dame and Caleb Williams kind of you know threw those three picks that was kind of the, the turning point for the yeah. season where it's like if Caleb Williams isn't on his thing against a good team, then maybe we aren't either. And the defense, honestly, in that game wasn't that bad, but it just kept getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse. And uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of talk about Lincoln Riley being ousted as as head coach, and I just don't agree with that. I mean, it's his no. second year. Like, like, you yeah. know, We should really calm down about that. You know, for them going forward, you're going to lose Caleb Williams. You're going to lose some key pieces. I think the recruiting in the offseason is the biggest thing for them. It's much like Colorado now, where it's yeah. like, this is do or die time because if Lincoln Riley has another year like this you can point out and say well what's the difference I mean we're four (laughs) and eight and now I know we're seven and five it's a little bit better but they brought in Lincoln Riley to win titles Arash and you know this just as well as I do it's not just to get an LA Bowl it's not just to get a Sun Bowl whatever it may be they wanted to be in the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and all these national championship type games and if they don't get that right in the next two years I can see Lincoln Riley leaving but I'm going to give them leeway because he's going to have a whole offseason to recruit. He's going to get a new defensive coordinator. They're going to kind of have this own system with a new QB as well. So... I'm going to give them a little bit of a leash, but it was a disappointment just because this was supposed to be the year that Caleb Williams ascended again. And look, Caleb Williams stats are comparable to last year. He kind of did his job this year. He did look a little bit tuned out at times, but he was still as good as advertised. It just the around the edges, the defense, the offensive line. He was running for his life most of the time. So, if they can just shore up a little bit of things on, you know, around the edges, whether it be the defense or the offensive line, maybe get a few pieces, then I'll still have confidence. Look, I'm still going to be watching come spring and come yeah. fall next year. So, um, and I know USC fans will too. Just because you have Lincoln Riley at the helm, every time you have him at the helm, you have a chance to win. So there is faith, but
2: it, it was a disappointing year for sure. I think everyone can agree with that. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, people really need to pump the brakes. I mean, they, they they brought in Lincoln Riley, who was at the time, and I, listen, the bad season, I get it. But, you know, when he was hired in, in uh, you know, a reported 10-year, $100 million contract, one of the best young coaches in college football, uh, first season, 11-1, and one, Caleb wins the Heisman, their one win away from winning the Pac-12 and winning the college football playoff. They lost. Since then, They've they've had this really terrible stretch. And when I say a terrible stretch, they are seven and seven in the last 14 games. That being said, these these uh crazy fans who wanna pull the plug like after one bad season. Just look at the leeway Clay Helton got. And Lincoln Riley is not Clay Helton, folks. I'm, I'm just really sorry. Like, like if Clay Helton, um Uh, You know, where is he at Southern Georgia or something Mm -hmm. like that? I promise you Lincoln Riley, if he were to leave USC is either going to the national football league or he's going to go to another big program because of his track record of success with the Sooners in Oklahoma. So listen, I'm just as frustrated as you guys are. Um, What is that rope? What is that leash, that leeway? I mean, I I think it's a couple more years. I I, I think, you know, let him have his you know, I always when I think of a college coach, I see at least four years when I say like I want him playing with his entire uh team uh in terms of his uh recruiting class. Now that's changed a little bit with the transfer portal and things like that. But um listen, Lincoln Riley, unless he goes to another team, and I don't think he's gonna go to another college program. So unless the National Football League calls which by the way is not crazy. Remember, Cliff Kingsbury got a National Football League job after being fired at Texas Tech. So it's not like uh, you know, he's he's only gonna leave once they win a championship. Um well, last couple for you, the Rams, a uh, big comeback win against Seattle, um the, the 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 conference and really the league this season is so wide open that when you look at the schedule, it's not it's not totally out of the realm of possibility, Grant, that they could go on a run here, right?
3: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, in the NFC that last week that the Rams had winning against Seattle and then having basically almost everyone that they needed to lose, lose. Yeah. That's as big of a week as you can possibly hope for coming out of a bye. And it was just announced uh, you know, on, on, on Tuesday that Kyron Williams is going to be activated off of IR. And we all know how good Kyron Williams was yeah. when he was healthy. He was one of the best running backs in all of the NFL. So this team, they're heading in the right direction. That was a huge momentum win for them if they're thinking about playoffs and and by all accounts, it looks like they want to win. They are not trying to tank. Let me get that through Rams, fans, heads right now. They are not trying to tank. <laughs> yes. They're not going to get Caleb Williams. They're not going to get you know uh, Drake May. You know, Maybe they can get Penix. I don't know if he falls in the late first round, second round. Who knows? But this team is trying to win and they have a favorable schedule coming up. Yes, they have to play Baltimore. Yes, they have to play Cleveland, but they still play the Giants and the Commanders and you know, the Saints who have been on and off. So, they still have a favorable schedule compared to what the Seahawks have who are in front of them. The Seahawks have to play a gauntlet of teams just to get in and so do the Vikings. The Vikings have a a kind of a tough schedule too and they just lost. So, if you're looking at the teams in front of the Rams, you can say, okay, well there is a path if the Rams take care of what they need to do and they still have the talent to do so. They only allowed three points to the Seahawks in the second half again and that's a Seahawks offense that's pretty good. So, their defense is getting better. The Young guys are learning the yeah. offense is getting healthier I know Cooper Cup sprained his ankle but in my honest opinion when Cooper Cup went out the offense kind of opened up because he started yeah. to throw it to Tutu and and Puka Nakua and some of these other guys so I'm not saying that you want Cooper Cup out of the lineup I'm just saying it it starts to spread around the ball a little bit so there are a lot of things to look forward to if you're a Rams fan it, you know when we went on that Super Bowl run, you know, when the Rams went on that Super Bowl run, there was a lot of excitement. I want Rams fans to feel that again. There should be excitement around this team because they're building towards a winning culture again. So they do have a chance. Arash, you're right. They they just have to take care of their own business.
2: The other four and six team at SoFi Stadium, and I never thought both of these teams would be four and six. Oh man, uh, perhaps the Rams. But the Chargers are 4-6, and six, and they've had this weird herky-jerky season where it's two losses, two wins, two losses, two wins, two, wins, two losses. Um, they go up against Baltimore on Sunday. Um, listen, if you're the GM, and I, I mean, who knows even how much time Tom Telesco has, do you say, hey, listen, we brought in Kellen Moore. He's a hot, young candidate. Let's give him a few games as a head coach. Uh, what would you do if you were the GM of the Chargers? Now,
3: I I think that Brandon Staley is going to last throughout this week. I think that they're going to give him at least one more chance, and they're playing such a they're playing the one seed in the in the AFC, which <laughs> kind of sucks. But you know, if if they put on a good showing, maybe make it a competitive game against the Ravens, then I can kind of say, yeah, maybe Staley could last the year. But if they get blown out, of rush, I expect Monday that Kellen Moore was the interim head coach. I just do. I mean. For the, I just can't believe the Broncos and the Raiders have a better record than, <laughs> than the Los Angeles Chargers. And I, you know, that's no knock on those teams, but Uh-oh. they weren't expected to have a better record than the Chargers. So to see this, it's deflating because as, as a fan that wants to see a Chargers team that is loaded with talent do something good for, for the first time in about, you know, a decade when they had Philip Rivers, I wanted <laughs> to see them be competitive. It, it's just a shame, but I do think that Brandon Staley lasts, um, at least through this week and that I think they'll evaluate it after. But so far, just very disappointing again.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, 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 the biggest thing, the reason that I, I now think if they get blown out or if it's a bad game, at least defensively is that Brandon Staley refuses to give up uh, defensive play calling. Yeah. Uh, and, and at the very least, if you're Tom Selesco, you're like, let's bring in, uh, let's bring in Keller Moore and let's mm-hmm. bring up. Let's at least change who's calling the defense to play because the head coach refuses to give that up, which is a a big problem. So we'll see. But again, you're 100% right. Worst time to play the number one seed in the American football conference. Uh, Grant, you're the best. We'll um, have you back on um, soon. Uh, That's all the time that we have. This segment, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the Lakers and the Clippers. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network.
1: We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN
0: Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here everyone is invited. So get loose
1: and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life.
2: Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310 400 0340. In lieu of going out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, we're going to go out to a man I'm very thankful for. My main man, the man who makes the Sporting Tribune today happen every week, it is Adrian Hernandez. He had a chance to sit down with Alicia Clark of the Las Vegas Aces. That's right, the WNBA champion, the back to back WNBA champion, Las Vegas Aces. Uh, and she talks about um, winning back-to-back titles. So now, without any further ado, here is our very own Mr. Adrian Hernandez with Alicia Clark. Yo, it's the Sporting Tribune
4: today. And as you can see, we're not in my office. We're not in the studio. We are in the headquarters of the back-to-back WNBA champions. And we're joined by a champion herself, Alicia Clark. How are you? And welcome on to the show.
5: <laughs> Thank you for having me. And I'm great. I've... I've been enjoying this offseason, season, so I'm great.
4: <laughs> you've got plenty of reasons to enjoy it. And I know like this week in particular, right, you've been getting to connect with the fans, like in person, yeah. not just on social media, not just at the games, but like getting connect and feel and getting to talk. So how has that been? And also the transition into living in Vegas, like the city that everyone comes to turn <laughs> up, like you get to live in it.
5: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's been great. The events that we had this week, Um, You know, for us as athletes, like, you know, we get to play in front of these fans night in and night out. So the opportunity to be able to connect with them um, outside of just games and quick, hey, hellos and goodbyes um, is always really special because, you know, they're, investing their time and their money and, you know, time with their family to come watch us play and do what we love. So to be able to just, you know, have a couple days where I can sit and talk with them and, um, you know, just really connect is is special. And I was so like, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I'm like, it's a Monday at five, like people are getting off work. But man, they showed up and like just to see that many people wearing like my jersey or my shirt or having things. You know, that for me is that's so special because I, you know, that hasn't always been the case throughout my journey in this league. And so to see that many people show up, you know, back to back nights like that, it meant everything.
4: No, that's amazing. And you talk about your journey like it's so cool that we're doing this here. Cause my next question, you talk about the <laughs> journey and how things were before and how things are and how things are going to be. Yeah. I think it's super important to document that we're doing this at your home yeah like your professional home the headquarters the logo looks beautiful <laughs> the court everything the we'll,
5: tv back there with the picture the championship pictures like this is
4: yeah, yeah. and like that wasn't like that before in some of the teams mm-hmm. that you are in the growth of the league so if you could like just real quick touch base on like to give people a point of view of how it used to be and how good it is to like have your locker room, have a place where you can put your stuff and come in whenever you wanna. You wanna come in at 4 a.m. to shoot some hoops, like you can do all of that.
5: Yeah, um, yeah, I mean for me like, right? Like we used to practice in a church gym and then having a locker room upstairs that like wasn't ours, but that was the space that we were in. Um, to then being in a Division Two, you know, school that, again, we're sharing a locker room that wasn't ours. We had to be in their locker room, in their space. Um, and then going to like a hybrid of an NBA, WNBA like space. And it's like, wow, these are the resources that are available. Like, this is, these are the things that like we can, you know, get to and have. Um, so that was really cool. But even still, we had to share space with the G League team. So it wasn't necessarily just always ours. Um, but then like being here, everything is ours. Everything is about us. Everything is about the aces. Like you said, I can leave my stuff. I don't have to, like usually after season within like the, those next three days, you have to pack up your locker, your apartment, you got to get out. And so to be able to be in a space where it's like, oh, I'll get to that when I come back in town. You know, it's not, there's no rush to it because it's our space. Like that's huge. And you know, I, This is, this was the precedent that was set for Mark, just being able to invest in us, give us a headquarters in a space that's just for us. And so I hope as we continue to move forward, like you're starting to see other owners get on board now. And so hopefully at some point you're going to see, because right now we're at 12, we'll have 14 teams. So, You'll have all 14 teams having dedicated spaces just for us as WNBA players and that's that's what we're working for and that's why we're working so hard and planting these seeds that we have been over the years because we want this thing to be we want this league to be great and you know we want to leave it better than we found it when we got in here
4: you know setting a new standard um which is incredible and and I, I do want to ask I don't know I'm assuming it was in the practice I'm assuming it was a meeting one, you guys found out, what to, well, we, we knew Chelsea wasn't going to play, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And then the, the news about Kia kind of took some people by surprise. Yeah. Um, and I know Sid at the Parade had talked about, they put the montage of the night-night and all that stuff. Can you talk me through yeah, that I meeting just of the you guys? of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Could you talk me through that meeting of just finding out, okay, well, this is what we got to do and what the message was?
5: Yeah, I mean, like we knew about the Kia stuff and you know way before everyone else did obviously but like again it goes back to the trust that we have with one another and the vault that we've built within our team um like what's supposed to be just for us is always going to be just for us and like and that's the beautiful part is when you have a collective group of people that can respect that respect those boundaries um and so yeah, like we saw it. You know what I mean? Like, and I get it, right? Like, teams and and media are gonna do what they need to do to like hype up uh, an anticipated matchup and the things. But like, when you show stuff about someone getting hurt or you know the night night thing or whatever, and like playing it up, cool. Like, again, that's fine. Um, but then like after we won and people respond to that, then people want to like get butt hurt about it. And it's like, listen, we didn't start this. <laughs> we didn't say anything all year. We didn't say and it. And it's like, but now that we can address it, we're gonna address it because our goal was we're gonna stay focused, accomplish this, and then we can address the other stuff later. Um, but I mean, it's all fun, right? Like that's what makes fun the sports fun is the trash talk, the back and forth, and that's what makes it exciting. And for us personally, it's like, there's no ill will towards any player on their side. Like I'm trying it's, to win a chip. You know, trying to win a chip, but like people misconstrue that like, oh, because we're coming back and saying stuff. It's like, no, actually we have zero problems with any of those players. Like it has nothing to do with them. It's just more about the, the overall picture. It's like, okay, if you're gonna talk stuff, prepare to have it talked back. And that's what it was. But it was fun. I mean, I loved it. I love that when Sid gets spicy. I love when our teammates get spicy. Well,
4: it's like you got to protect little sis or big sis. Like, you know, if you're, like, you're gonna say something to them because, and I feel comfortable saying this because she documented everything. But the thing that we didn't know because we weren't there is what Sabrina had said to her. Mm-hmm. Like, go back to the bench. Yeah. Like, you guys took that personal for her, of course, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. And was it frustrating? Not, and off. not, off, not, not. Particularly about Sabrina, but just in general, like the way I saw it is like, why are we policing Joy? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? They say that the winners get to write history. Mm -hmm. You guys are the winners. Like, is that was that frustrating? It was like, nah, it's cool because we get to speak our truth because we won. So this is we get the stage to talk.
5: Yeah, I mean that's for us. That's what it was. Like we won. We took care of business. Like we set out to do, and now we get to address and speak our truth and all the things because all season, people were writing things for us. We're making assumptions on our behalf and all these things. So it's like, again, we didn't address any of it. We could have easily like been out. I mean, you saw how we were going after we won, like addressing everything, woke up on 10. Everything was in the dress. Woke up activated. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for us, it's just like, we did what we were supposed to do. Now this is our turn to be able to like discredit or, or go against the things that have been said about us all year. Um, and that's the other thing, right? Like, if somebody else can speak your truth, it's not your truth. And so, for us, we were like, okay, we're gonna speak our truth and let you guys see see it for what it is.
4: One thing I need to ask you is guarding Brianna Stewart, which ain't new to you, mm-hmm. former teammates. So you you know you kind of got the cheat code with practice <laughs> and all the reps. Um, but how was, I guess, the mentality that you guys had because obviously you held them to 69 points. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. With all that talent that they had have on the roster, right.
5: Um, Yeah, I mean, for me, look, Stewie's one of the best players in the world. Like, hands down, no doubt about it. Like, And she's a really tough guard because she's always active. Um, And so obviously I knew going into game four, like, she had to be a primary focus of, like, making her life hell, making everything she does hard, all those things. And so for me, my mindset going into game four, I mean, in the playoffs in general, because I knew she was going to be, like, my primary matchup, um, and I know she's a winner, like, you know what I mean? She's won at every level, she shows up in big moments, so it's like, you know she's gonna be prepared for this moment. And so, I was like, okay, one, like, lock-in factor has to be there. Like, you can't relax for a second. Um, two, like, the way I study my opponents is obsessive. Like, it's disgusting. <laughs> but, you know, for me, it's like, how can I gain an advantage, right? Cause like, she's 6'4", I'm 5'11". <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and obviously, so it's like, where can I gain advantages in, in this matchup? And for me, it's, it's like with my IQ. And so the way I studied her, I studied you know all the things she likes to do, what she likes to do in crunch time, what's her go-to move in this space on this lock, on this uh, elbow, this block, and I knew they're going to try to iso her at the right elbow. That's what they tended to do when they needed a bucket with her involving her. So I knew, and she operates really well from the high post because that's a hard area to like help from because you know whatever. So this, see the nerdy side coming out, like all let the it things out. I have to like. No, think of. let it out, please, please do. Um, yeah, so for me it was just like, okay, I need to. Like, again, be locked in, and I'm not helping nowhere. Like, y'all, you're going to have to figure it out, because I know if she gets 30, we're not going to win this game. And so that was my mindset. I was like, she cannot get 30. And whatever that looks like, and if she does, she's going to get it going to her third and fourth option away from the things she likes to do. And then in that case, you deserve it, because I made you do something else. But for me, it's like I need to dictate on the defensive side of the floor what she's going to do and what the night is going to look like. And that's how I just went into the game. I was like, all right, cool. And then uh, the flip side of it was like, I know they're gonna try to hide a defender on me. So it's like, now I gotta go back to what I used to do and being able to be a scorer, right? Like, I've a, I've accepted this role of being a defensive stopper and, you know, shooter when I'm open, et cetera, but it's like, I, I still know how to get a bucket, so I need to, like, utilize that.
4: You're talking about the the prep and the preparation being mm-hmm. disgusting. <laughs> I just, like, how many hours of tape per day, would you say, like, in the season? Or back to the finals, like, what was it I going? wish I could,
5: like, honestly, I should call, like, Ty right now and be like, Ty, I need you to tell the people.
4: <laughs> or you can go out <laughs> What I
5: asked from you all season. Like, they were just like, oh my gosh, like, you want all. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, it's a lot.
4: How's this interview going, by the way?
5: Great. I'm enjoying it. it. I love it. I think you're doing a phenomenal job. So, let's go. I'm going to put you in that good bucket. Like, Thank you're over you. there in this good bucket.
4: I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, and, and earlier to start the interview, you brought up that, like, yeah, this league's going to 14 teams. Um, San Francisco Bay Area was announced. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. Last year specifically, because we're in the holiday season. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I can't find Aces t-shirts at whatever store. Mm-hmm. I can't buy jerseys. I can only go on the website. And I was like, the merchandise, like the business side is the most important, right? And if we can't sell stuff and we got nothing to sell, like what are we doing if we're trying to expand? It's like renovating the porch when the house is dirty. Yeah. So that's my viewpoint on it. I was like, we need to like solidify the house, the foundation yeah. before we expand. How do you feel?
5: That's that's my thoughts on it as well. I um, I get it, right? Like expanding creates more opportunities, brings more money, all the things. But it's like if we're going to expand and have the same issues that we're currently having, what's the point? Um, but I definitely think, you know, roster spots have been a, a, huge, a huge point of contention for so long. Um, and so I can understand it from that side of things. But for me, I'm just like, I don't know. I felt like there could have been a step prior to that, but at the same time, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at there being two more teams and two more cities and two more opportunities for young boys and girls to be able to come and watch what an amazing product is out here on the floor night in and night out and be able to invest in these players um, and support these players. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And for us, we knew the product and the things were here. And now that there is more coverage and more opportunity on primetime television where people sitting at home can watch and not have to flip through 17 million apps to find us, you know, that's, you're starting to see the business side, you know, grow to what we knew it could. And so hopefully like this last two years and especially this year, I mean, everything was through the roof, viewership, sales, attendance, all those things were through the roof. So I'm hoping that this season set the precedent for the seasons moving forward in terms of the investment. And like, when you invest, look what happens. That's why us in New York were the last two teams standing, I think, because you have two really great ownerships that are invested in the organization, in their team, in doing these types of things with resources and all, these, all the different aspects that come with um, having a team. And so I don't think it's by coincidence.
4: And I'm thankful for it because I think it's so important. Like, even like, I try to drum up that it's a rivalry. I'm not going to lie to you because I'm like, yo, stories. I'm a huge wrestling fan. Okay. I was like, I like it because the story is so good. The story is what's up. I mean, look at the last women's national championship. Like yeah. the, Although there was some extra stuff that was added on that didn't need to be there. But like stories sell. Um, and before we get out of here, you just brought up that like roster spots. Mm-hmm. And just like you were talking about having to practice at a literal church gym. Mm-hmm. I think some people don't realize that like. You wrote this on, in your Players' Tribune article about your dad being like, you got drafted, you good. Yeah. You're like, dad, you don't understand. That I got an invitation into the building. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean the roster spot um, is guaranteed, but I guess speaking on that Players' Tribune article, um, first off, thank you. Mm. I know that I, it was super in-depth. It was enjoyable to read. Thank you. And I'm assuming for you, it was something that was therapeutic that you could kind of get that out to the world?
5: Yeah, it was. And for me, I'm not somebody that likes to overshare and like you know there's players that there's people and players that like to use social media as like a, a digital diary um, but I'm a very like private reserved person especially when it comes to like struggles and and those types of things and this was obviously a huge loss for me and so like navigating through the emotions of all of losing you know my my dad it was like it was so hard for me to deal with and I immediately just went into like, just stay busy and just go. Um, So that way I don't have to like, be out and about thinking about it. But there were so many things along the way that would trigger. And it was just like, okay, I can't keep like holding this in and not being able to like speak on it. So when they asked me um, to, you know, write it in honor of it, you know, for me through this whole grief process was like, I wanna share like how dope my dad was. And this gave me the opportunity to talk about it in a way that I could control the narrative of it um, and be able to speak, again, just like the things that I'm going through. So to be in a space where I'm vulnerable and not knowing how people are going to react because there's sick people online. Like, you know, my block list is crazy. I don't mind blocking people.
4: It ain't nothing. It's
5: literally nothing. (laughs) Um, But like there's, you know, I would see some comments every now and then like um, other people sharing about loss and whatever and like just how nasty people could be. And I'll fight. I'll fight over my dad. So I was like, let me, but just the, like the response I got was so beautiful just in people sharing in the grief with me in their journey, um, sharing in that vulnerability piece, helping people see that being vulnerable isn't a sign of weakness, it's actually a sign of strength. Um, And just being able to share in like hopeful stories, like hopeful outcomes and people being like, yeah, I lost my mom five years ago, but I just wanna tell you like, it doesn't, the hole never closes, it doesn't get better, but you just learn how to live with it a little bit easier. And so just to be able to connect on like such a humanity level is something that I'm really, really passionate about in general. So just to be able to have the response that I did from everyone who read my article, one took the time to read it, so thank you. Um, And just to share kind words and encouragement meant so much to me. So I'm happy that I was able to connect people for a little bit um, and, you know, shed some hope, um, even just
4: a little bit more. That's why I'm gonna ask this next question. You brought up, you know, mental health, Therapy helped out a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I go to therapy. I try to talk about it a lot. Mm Because fellas, you know what I'm saying? We we need someone to talk to too. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Not just the homies while we're playing Call of Duty. (laughs) Um, Although, like, I struggle with therapy. Talking to people about it is more helpful than going to therapy because I like... You're not the same age as me. We didn't grow up the same. So yeah. You don't know what I'm dealing with, or like, you don't get my perspective. But for you, like, how has that experience been?
5: Um, it took me a while. Like, I didn't connect with therapists along the way, and I, again, you didn't want to talk to them. No, and I I'm didn't. like, I'm very, again, very reserved. So being sharing something so intimate and deep, and like just letting someone in that you don't know is scary. But when I did find the therapist that I was working with through this time, it just there was it was an instant click. Like you know. Um, and you know she had happened to lose her dad a few years ago, so it was like there was an aspect of that connection with her, and you can be very specific when it comes to finding a therapist. For me, I wanted a black woman because the things that I'm going through, she can relate to and understand. And, you know, people, I think people don't know that, that you can be specific. Um, you have to. You know what I mean? Like it could be, yeah. you could, if you're, you know, dealing with addiction, it's like, I want somebody who, you know, is a recovered addict because they're going to understand. So when I, when I'm having these moments, they can know what to say to me that will resonate. Um, and so I think, That connection for me, just being able to find that connection, it was like instant. I just felt like I was talking to one of my homegirls, except she was giving me just a little bit better advice (laughs) um, and some more tools to be able to navigate that space. And, you know, for me, I felt the growth um, just in how I share when I need help and when I am grieving or when I am in a dark space. And gave me the tools to be able to like latch onto and pull myself out or like, okay, if I'm in this space, I know who, this is my person, I reach out for that. Um, So yeah, I always encourage people. I'm like, therapy helps. I know there's a stigma and, you know, communities of color around it. um, Because it's just like, you packing him and keep it pushing. You don't have time, but it's like, no, there's a healthier way to deal and unpack all of that while still pushing on.
2: All right. That was Adrian Hernandez talking to Alicia Clark of the Las Vegas ACEs talking about really an amazing uh, journey to -to back-to-back champions for the ACEs uh, celebrating with Usher for the rivalry, the team's rivalry with the New York Liberty and uh, much, much more. So, you know, just had an amazing Uh, time listening to that conversation and it's something that you can hear each and every week on our YouTube channel and also uh, streaming as well on Fubo, uh, the Sporting Tribune today. So check that out each and every Friday. A little sneak peek of Adrian Hernandez's conversation with Alicia Clark. Uh, That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe stay
1: healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN
0: Radio. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at american-giant.com with code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones get it done